Hello and welcome to Chewing It Over. And um, if you are tuning in right from the beginning, you'll notice that I am not Jack Chew per usual. Um, it's the third Tuesday of the month, which is my slot to do a rheumatology takeover. So really looking forward to doing this again, getting some interaction and hopefully speaking with um, you guys out there in the ether. Um, I am, of course, sat here in my spare bedroom forward slash office with no one around me. So um, if anybody is listening and can hear me and or see me, my connection looks pretty stable. So that's always good news. But if um, someone can comment and let me know that I am, in fact, broadcasting and not just talking at my computer screen, then that would be ideal. So um, if anybody is tuning in, doesn't know who I am, then um, I am Jack March. I do run the rheumatology.physio website, generally bang on about rheumatology topics um, and occasionally delve into doing physio matters and therapy live and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, so hopefully talking of therapy live everybody signed up for their free ticket therapy-live.co.uk um get your free ticket for june the 11th we're going to have a monumental show um bigger than last year and better than last year no technical hitches cross your fingers should be all good anyway looks like we're stable and streaming so uh let's crack on talk about today's topic which i've um basically come up with on the fly i've been spending a good couple of days really um on a, some different projects um project number one was a blog which i'm releasing this thursday on my website um all about Sjogren's syndrome um and then the second one that i've been doing is i'm presenting tomorrow night a webinar on tendons and uh, rheumatology so if we think about tendons they're pretty common uh, but they're also a manifestation of um, rheumatology conditions so um, i've been thinking about it from another way around when if you i like to think about my um presentations that i normally do i focus on rheumatology and then i say how they're like a musculoskeletal uh, condition whereas this is rather a slightly different tack i'm taking a musculoskeletal condition in tendons and say when that might be a rheumatology condition so it's there's a little bit of a slightly different approach so i've been doing some um, some different research and um and combining that with Sjogren's syndrome then um, i thought i will i will have a bit of a chat today about um, non-msk symptoms and what we do about those in our clinics don't know if anybody's noticed there's been a lot of chatter recently on um, first contact practitioners um, on twitter and obviously um the the chew did a chewing it over with um matthew wyatt yesterday all about that as well and i think that it's something not just for fcps but certainly for all of us as therapists that we need to understand we're making the correct differential diagnoses or ruling conditions out and when should we be asking specific questions or um, when should we be delving into more detail let's say and i think that one when we go outside of the musculoskeletal system, I know certainly I do, I start to struggle a lot more with different systems, with um, what can relate to what, you know, if you ask me the anatomy of the eye, for example, I'm gonna really struggle with um, with describing that to you. I probably have a good fist at labeling an eye, but outside of that, I'd certainly start to struggle after that. Musculoskeletal system I'm far better at, it's much more within my wheelhouse. 
So when I've been researching and uh, writing about Sjogren's syndrome, that's why I mentioned the eye, um, we're looking at a condition that predominantly, uh, the predominant symptoms are going to be sort of a dry eyes, dry mouth. And why you think, why would I be worried about that in, in musculoskeletal practice? Well, one of the things that um, approximately 50 to 70% of Sjogren's syndrome patients have is arthralgia or myalgia. And of course, we see tons of that within uh, physiotherapy clinics. So it got me thinking about the predominance of symptoms, what people are going to be uh, um, turning up in clinic with, and how are we how are we investigating those with regards to our um, our thought processes? And I throw it out to you now. Happy to take any comments within the chat bar. How many of you, if you're assessing um, somebody with fibromyalgia, for example, or a differential diagnosis of fibromyalgia, or any other um, widespread pain syndrome such as uh, hypermobility, for example, um, how many of you are asking about eyes, asking about their mouth? Um, is, is that sort of a standard line of questioning that you guys are, uh, you guys are employing? I mean, if it is, then probably I'm wasting a lot of my time writing some of these blogs. But my experience from what people are emailing me about, tweeting me about, is that this isn't something that they're commonly experiencing. So if we think about that for a minute, um, let's take Sjogren's syndrome, for example. So we've got a patient, they're predominantly women, um, people with Sjogren's syndrome, about nine to one ratio. If, if we've got a female in our clinic, FCP, private practice, musculoskeletal clinic, wherever it is, and she's complaining of widespread diffuse pain, most of us, I'm going to guess, are going to jump to fibromyalgia as our initial differential diagnosis uh, without any more information than that. Um, we might think about hypermobility syndrome. Um, we might think about other central sensitization issues. Maybe they've had long-standing back pain that's developed out into other sensitized um, issues. So taking that leap then on to going, okay, fibromyalgia is a diagnosis of exclusion, essentially. So are we appropriately excluding Sjogren's syndrome from these patients? We'll take a couple more demographics. Sjogren's syndrome is most commonly uh, or the onset, I should say, is most common in um, between the ages of 30 and 50. Um, fibromyalgia is also within that demographic. Um, as we already said, it's already uh, females as well. The other um, very significant symptom related to Sjogren's syndrome is fatigue. And what's another condition with a lot of fatigue? Fibromyalgia. So I think that um, it's about making sure that we know the demographics of our patients, we understand the differential diagnoses which could overlap and making sure that we're asking those questions appropriately so that we know we're making the best decisions for these patients. Um, some uh, some other just in, interesting demographics um, I've picked up whilst reading, these aren't even necessarily in my blog, um, but um, turns out that in the US, for example, there are significantly different um, uh, delays to diagnosis depending on people's uh, demographics and ethnicity, uh, probably due to some um, uh, differences in phenotypes of, of Sjogren's syndrome, but a huge wide variety. And a uh, part of me wonders whether some, some of these people are being initially diagnosed as fibromyalgia, and then later on there, they are um, beginning to suffer from something else or, or diagnosed with something else. 
So we're looking at around 20% of our Sjogren's syndrome patients are going to develop the um, dry eyes, dry mouth fatigue prior. Uh, sorry, let's get this the right way around. 20% of our Sjogren's syndrome patients are going to develop the myalgia and arthralgia prior to the characteristic dry eyes, dry mouth and fatigue. So you quite easily, even if you do ask these questions, may well misdiagnose these patients as fibromyalgia. But it's about questioning and making sure that's in there. And certainly if someone was to come back to you later and the person was diagnosed with Sjogren's syndrome, and you could document and show that you asked them about their eyes and their mouth, then um, you can demonstrate that you were considering that as a diagnosis, but they just didn't have the appropriate symptoms at the time. So, you know, we add a bit more detail to this. What are we looking at for dry eyes? Um, literally someone reporting that their eyes are dry. Um, I've got a little comment here from Louise um, and hopefully that's going to come up on there. She says she would ask about other issues, but patients wouldn't associate the two things and probably wouldn't mention dry eyes. And I would agree. The same thing occurs with things like Crohn's and colitis when we talk about axial spondyloarthritis. I think they often associate certainly physios and other MSK practitioners with injuries and bones and muscles. Why wouldn't they? That seems to be the most likely thing that they're there. And also if they're there because they've got pain in their joints, that's what they're there as a, as a, um, uh, there to question about. So I think Louise, you're, you're, you're in the, in the majority there as well. Um, so I think we have to be specific. Um, but obviously, one of the things I wanted to try and kind of touch on today was that we can't go with every single patient, ask them every single bodily system, um, because we'll be there forever. There's tons of systems. Um, there's tons of questions we could ask. And how are we going to filter through that noise is, is really the uh, is really the reasoning process. So like I say, we need to understand the demographics. So, for example, the easiest um, version here is if, if we've got about a nine, nine to one ratio of women to men. So about 90 percent of our Sjogren's syndrome diagnosis patients are going to be female. So would I be worrying about asking a male if they've got dry eyes, dry mouth, if they've got a bit of diffuse muscle aching, a bit of diffuse diffuse joint aching? Probably not. I'm not going to go into that. It's it's not the best use of the time at that, uh, at that point. It's going to be quite rare in men, whereas it's going to be much more prevalent in women. The other thing that we need to understand is it's more prevalent in Af African-Americans. So if you've got an African-American female patient, um, with um, these uh, widespread pain, uh, widespread um, uh, joint aching, then actually I think we probably should, um, we should put Sjogren's syndrome above fibromyalgia in those patients. And I would be erring on that being my predominant differential diagnosis versus fibromyalgia because of that increased incidence. So understanding how these different things affect it um affect the likelihood ratio i suppose of the different differential diagnosis being appropriate um is really important and that's one of the difficult things i think we have moving moving forwards in these um in these more advanced roles in first contact practitioner clinics we've got to have this such a broad base of knowledge that we can understand how to hone those questions in 
So I promised I'd talk a little bit more specifically about dry eyes and dry mouth. Um, and the symptoms that we're really looking for specifically with dry eyes, let's go there first, is that um, the patient reports that they feel like they have dry eyes. They quite often will already be using artificial tears. Um, other symptoms that they might complain of, which are related to things like itching, um, scratchiness, uh, redness, sometimes photophobia as well. Um, but to be honest, I think from a musculoskeletal point of practitioner point of view, we're not ophthalmologists. I would ask the patient specifically if they've got dry eyes. Um, otherwise, um, that's fine and we would move on. We talked about axial spondyloarthritis um, as well as peripheral spondyloarthritis as well. And especially in, so in men, we're more likely to get uh, uh, we're less likely to get iritis, uveitis, but there is a very high um, disease burden in uveitis and iritis. So we're going to ask about dry eyes, but we're also going to ask about a past medical history or a family history of uveitis and iritis as well um, to, to rule out those patients. So with men, they tend to get a much more classical spondyloarthritis disease, whereas women, and we've talked about this at length before, um, women tend to get a more diffuse um, pattern of symptoms. So again, if you've got that female in your clinic who um, has diffuse aching, diffuse muscle pain, diffuse joint pain, um, it, she may well have a history of, your, of uveitis and iritis rather than dry eyes, in which case you're then going to move towards an axial spondyloarthritis or a peripheral spondyloarthritis diagnosis. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm giving an example here of where the musculoskeletal symptoms don't change, but the peripheral, um, the non-musculoskeletal symptoms do change, and that's what directs your um, directs your your reasoning process. And you might say, and I might say, and I have in the past gone, you know, you notice someone's got an inflammatory related disease, you refer them to rheumatology, you've got them in the right place, fine job is sort of done. However, when we're making these distinctions, Sjogren's syndrome being a connective tissue disorder, spondyloarthritis being a spondyloarthritis, uh, so an enthesitic disorder, then they often in rheumatology departments will have different clinics. So what you're looking at is, can I advance my reasoning sufficiently that in some of these patients, I make a more appropriate clinical referral so they get into the right waiting list, they get in front of the right person as soon as possible. So to to reduce those delays to diagnosis, improve those pathways. You don't really want a Sjogren syndrome patient in a spinal pathway, you, and you don't want an axial spondyloarthritis patient in a connective tissue disorder pathway. Like I say, in the end, I would rather they were on the pathway to go to rheumatology, but if we can be more accurate, we can be better than spot on. So um, those are some of the clinical distinctions we need to make with eyes. Mouth is a little bit easier. I say easier, it's not easier, uh, but it's a bit more um, specific to Sjogren's syndrome anyway. Um, so again, we're looking for dry mouth. And again, just ask the patient, do you suffer from dry mouth? Yes, no. Um, in the early stages, the patients are just gonna report that maybe they need to drink more often, uh, much as I'm just about to do, because I'm talking too much, but they will often drink a little bit more, get a bit of a dry mouth. As the, as the um, symptoms deteriorate, they tend to find that they get altered taste because their mouth is dry, um, they can get a sore mouth, chewing and swallowing can be problematic, and they often start to drink almost constantly. Um, so I often, um, on my courses, make a joke about being able to spot Sjogren's syndrome patients in the um, 
in the waiting room because they've got a bottle of water in one hand and artificial tears in the other hand and they're alternating between because their eyes and mouth are so dry so um it's it's important about recognize recognizing those um those different outcomes there um, we've got a great question again from Louise here about expanding on uh, on Crohn's disease and um, and AS by um, so we'll talk about Crohn's disease and uh, axial spondyloarthritis and this is the same sort of process. So what we know about um, Crohn's and axial spar is that actually um, in the inflammatory bowel diseases are high, more highly correlated with development of the spondyloarthritis in women than it is in men, uh, but not by a massive amount. But you're looking at around, the data tells us that you're looking at around a one in four chance of developing a spondyloarthritis within the first six years of your diagnosis of either Crohn's disease or colitis, ulcerative colitis. So that's quite a high number of those patients. And um, the it's all is a lot of it's related down to this HLA B27 genetics. They're they're related to those to that gene. And um, whilst it isn't always that the Crohn's disease comes on first, um, sometimes it is that the spondylitis comes first, or it might well be that uh, because the patient develops Crohn's disease, the back pain gets investigated. But it's you, you will get a, a few different uh, processes. So you'd have a spondylitis, so an enteropathic spondylitis, so it's literally related to the Crohn's or the colitis. So the inflammatory process from the Crohn's and the colitis is within the bloodstream. It's a systemic inflammatory reaction, and then that will react against the entheses of uh, the spinal ligaments, peripheral ligaments, uh, peripheral tendons, um, as opposed to having um, separate entities of clinical disease. So you'd have Crohn's disease, and you would have its own axial spondyloarthritis. Um, and this is where it gets a bit muddy and merged and all together. Um, so you might have uh, one issue specifically causing the Crohn's disease, and then you have another issue specifically causing the spondyloarthritis. Um, and it is relatively common, once you've got one rheumatology condition, to get another one, about one in three chance. So there is quite a high likelihood, again, because of those genetic factors. So hopefully that's answered your questions, Louis, question there, Louise. So you again, when you're talking about women, um, especially, and I do repeatedly go on about this because the delays to diagnosis in women um, are longer than they are in men. And with axial spondyloarthritis, what we know with women is that, again, they tend to have a more diffuse pain pattern. Um, they tend to have less specific symptoms than the men do. So it's about knowing that when that patient comes into you, you need to ask those other questions. Um, I was talking to uh, students not so long ago, and when I qualified back in 2008, we used to use, I mean, I still do, uh, use the um, uh, the acronym THREADS. don't know if anybody else uses that. So it's, it stands for uh, thyroid, heart, uh, rheumatology, whatever that meant at the time, epilepsy, asthma, diabetes, and steroids and surgery. Um, and it was just a way of reminding me uh, or reminding us as students that we should ask about other bodily systems. I'm not going to lie. I used to use it rather like a tick box exercise. I just asked the patient. And I didn't really have any idea why I was asking about the thyroid. I didn't really know why I was asking about epilepsy other than just to see if they had other problems that might get in the way of my rehab or might affect the rehab. So rather than using these things 
just as a tick box exercise. I think there's a reasoning process that goes into them beforehand. And certainly that probably takes some time to develop in yourself. And it probably takes some time to understand and making sure that we're continually learning about different conditions. I like to think that I am a rheumatology specialist. Uh, I'm going to use specialist in inverted commas. What's the uh, phrase that people say once you once you become an expert, you just know more and more about less and less. Um, and over the last three or four days researching Sjogren's syndrome, I realized that I had a lot of it about face. I really didn't understand the presentation of Sjogren's syndrome. And I think that continual striving to understand the clinical presentation of these conditions is really important. But knowing now what I realize having done this is that the clinical presentation from a musculoskeletal point of view is actually very similar. These chronic conditions, if you take, let's take females again, but if you take fibromyalgia, Sjogren's syndrome, um, axial spondyloarthritis, um, then they're probably those three are going to look pretty much the same clinically uh, from a musculoskeletal point of view. But the differentiators out are these um, non-musculoskeletal symptoms um, where, so fibromyalgia, for example, we should, we're not going to get any. Uh, Shogun syndrome, we're going to get these what we call sicker symptoms, which are these dry eyes, dry mouth, um, and a few others. And then with the axial spondyloarthritis, we're looking at uveitis, iritis, and Crohn's and colitis, etc. So you, so that's where our reasoning process goes. And I think this is really important when we get into those um, first contact roles, self-referral roles, private practice, anywhere where there isn't a medical screening. Um, and that's not because necessarily the GPs and orthopedics and everything else way better than us at this. But um, Richard Collins put it a good way when I spoke to him a few months ago, that when you go through GP training, you go through doctor training, what you what happens is you're looking at a medical model of systems, which you they then map into musculoskeletal. Whereas with physiotherapists, what we're generally doing in osteopaths and chiropractors, we're doing a musculoskeletal model, and then we're mapping on these medical things to try and recognize the masqueraders. And I think it is a, a relevant difference. So we need to spend some time, certainly I spent a lot of time relatively recently, um, trying to work out how do I make these reasoning processes more slick so that when these patients present, I'd know what questions to ask appropriately and who to ask them. So, and, and really, so I'm not wasting time asking the wrong questions to the wrong patients. So I'm hoping this is all making sense. Uh, we've got about five minutes left of this live stream. Um, so do please put down any any questions that you might have um, on on well, anything rheumatology, really. But we're obviously we're talking about um, extra articular or extra musculoskeletal symptoms today. Um, and um, hopefully everybody will be will will log on and have a look at my blog on it comes out Thursday mornings and you'll find that on Sjogren's syndrome. I've gone into quite a good bit of detail. Um, we talk about, like I said, dry eyes, dry mouth. We also talk about um, fatigue and um, the investigations, which were a difficult, difficult challenge as well and onwards referral. Um, so hopefully that'll give you some good information specifically on Sjogren's syndrome. But obviously there's a lot more conditions than that, which which are related um to these extra articular manifestations and especially with um with rheumatology where i begin to get very interested um so 
that sort of the 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 um the generalized symptoms are quite an easy one to map these sort of reasoning processes onto i think where it becomes even more difficult is when you've got something like a tendinopathy tendinopathy fits very nicely within within an msk therapist wheelhouse i think that um there's going to be a lot of us which would see a referral for a patient with an achilles tendinopathy and think excellent that's uh, that's going to be a relatively easy assessment a relatively easy thought process we might have to tailor some exercise programs to an individual but really we're just looking for a loading patterns but if we then map on rheumatology and we make sure that we're ruling those out then again we're looking at things like Crohn's disease colitis iritis uveitis psoriasis we're looking at these other medical systems or other body systems that we need to we need to rule out and I wonder how many times especially if it's a Friday afternoon maybe we just skip across that and think um, and maybe we've missed some differential diagnoses for those patients so um, what, what I hope I'm hoping people are getting from this is that um, we really need to be asking a lot more around um, non-MSK symptoms as well. And as um, Louise mentioned right at the beginning, it, we do have to be quite specific with our questioning. We don't relying on patients to volunteer the information is going to lead us astray. I don't think. Lots of them are not going to uh, volunteer that information. They're not going to think it's relevant or they might even have forgotten. Um, you know, certainly in the early days of Shogun syndrome, the dry eyes can be intermittent. So they might just not even think of mentioning it. Um, never mind think, oh, I've got dry eyes, but the physio doesn't care about that. So I think we do need to be specific um, and to be specific, we need to understand uh, those um, uh, those processes be really interested if anybody disagrees with me I'm obviously very biased in this in this um, situation that make a living off teaching all you guys this kind of thing um, I spend my time reading about it so if anybody does have any uh, any alternative ideas or viewpoints I'd be delighted to hear from you um, so we're just about running out of time for today's lunchtime show so hopefully you've enjoyed it um, we've had a good number of uh, good number of viewers across the channels, which is really fun. Um, and thank you to everybody, uh, especially Louise for your questions. And um, do look out for my blog on Thursday morning on Sjogren syndrome. Um, you can find that on my website, rheumatology.physio. You can also find, I do I read all of my blogs to you as well. So if you like my Southern accent, uh, then I read the blogs out as podcasts. So just type rheumatology.physio into any podcast player and you'll find that as well. There's a back catalogue of all the previous ones that you can go through and listen to if you don't do that already as well as this uh, recording if you miss some of this that will go out on there as well but i'm sure jack chu will be back tomorrow with his northern accent and hopefully you can uh, you'll enjoy that just as much uh, but otherwise i'm going to leave you with the incredibly loud um exit video so i hope that um, you've all turned your volume down appropriately and i will be back for the third tuesday of next month for another live uh, chewing it over rheumatology takeover if anybody's got any topics they would like me to cover then please do get in touch i'm on twitter uh, rheumatology.physio just type rheumatology.physio in anywhere and i pretty much come up and feel free to get in touch with me and i'll be delighted to chew those things over um, so i will see you next time bye for now <laughs>